Welcome to Buy the Books, the podcast helping business owners navigate the complex world of business, tax, and bookkeeping. Now, to the owner and president of Secline, Lindsay Klein. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us today at Buy the Books. I am Lindsay Klein with Secline, honest, accurate bookkeeping performed on time. And I'm here today with Chris Gross of Freedom Nation. Thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Lindsay. So I have an interesting topic today. Okay. Um, This is about a question that every CPA answers differently. So here's what happened. This is how this whole thing started. I went to a CPA study group the other day, and this is a group of maybe 100 plus CPAs that gather for lunch. People submit questions before coming to the lunch about issues that they're groveling with, something they want to get some other points of view on best practices, just kind of trying to figure out the best way to handle it. Most of the questions that come up during the lunch are pretty well answered within a few seconds. People come to a consensus, you know, everyone kind of nods their head and we move on, you know, kind of thing. There might be a little bit of discussion, but by and large, we get through questions pretty quickly. Well, the last meeting, there was this question that spurred a lot of I wouldn't even say debate a, a lot. Of, it got kind of quiet and everyone's <laughs> kind of like, like, you know, pondering and hmm, that's interesting, you know, kind of looking at each other. And then, you know, someone would say, well, what about, you know, and then propose something. And, and then someone else, well, no, that wouldn't work because of, you know, X, Y, Z. Yeah. And it, like we weren't getting to like that consensus place where everyone's nodding and going, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, everyone would, you know, kind of propose a little something and then, no, that wouldn't work because of this. And there was all this kind of back and forth and we never really came to like a, this is the answer, right? which really fascinated me. I'm not a CPA, right? I'm coming in there as a bookkeeper. I'm trying to learn, you know, get around the professionals, you know, so I'm, I'm watching all of this play out. And going, wow, this is really interesting. And I really didn't fully understand the question even at that point. But I'm, I'm like, all right, I want to study this and figure out why this is stumping so many people. And there's a lot of experience in the room. I mean, 100 CPAs, some of them have been in the you know tax industry for 30 plus years. You know, why is this something that they're having difficulty figuring out? So it just so happened... I was headed to San Antonio after that, which, by the way, we now have our San Antonio office open. So I was headed to San Antonio, and I'm trying to get a network of CPAs down there as well for our clients, since we don't do taxes, we only do bookkeeping. Um, So I like to have local people that, as we get clients, we can refer people if needed. So I had several meetings set up with CPAs down in San Antonio after that, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to ask this question and see what happens and I probably met with maybe 10 CPAs while I was down there. And I asked every single one of them this question and every single one gave me a different answer. Which just fascinated me even more. Like this is really interesting. No two CPAs I've talked to have given me the same response and the same solution. So this is why I thought this would be a great podcast episode. Yes. Yes. I, don't, I don't know what to call this yet. Like the, okay. the, the, the tax question that rocked the CPA world or oh, something. Oh. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. 
So the overlying, I guess, thing that has caused me to kind of sit back and go, wow, is really hitting home the fact that so much of what our tax professionals do, a lot of it is up for interpretation. And a lot of it is based on their risk tolerance, their personality. And I've seen so Mm -hmm. much of that come into play by asking different professionals the same question and see how they bring in those other factors into how they would respond to this situation. So I'll break it down a little bit and then kind of tell you what the CPA solutions were. Okay. And I'm going to... It's a little bit complicated, so I'm going to kind of try to break it down where hopefully any anyone, including someone as yourself that yes. doesn't have a tax background, can understand. So this specifically relates to S-corporations or LLCs that are taxed as an S-corporation. There's this thing called stock basis. Any shareholder of an S-corporation has stock basis in the company. It's similar to what we know as equity which I've talked about on the show before. You know, equity in a company is similar to like equity in a mortgage, right? You have the liability, your mortgage, and you have the asset, the house, right? And as you pay down your liability, you're gaining equity in that house. Same thing can happen in a business. So stock basis is very similar to equity, but there are some things that will alter your stock basis that would not alter your equity, So there are some differences to it. And for tax purposes, the tax, the the stock basis is not supposed to go below zero. So it's almost like a bank account. If it does go below zero, then the IRS sees that as a taxable event where you should be taxed on the amount that it goes below zero. Mm. So if you think of it like equity, um, if you're the owner of a company, an S-corp specifically, and you're taking distributions right? So you're pulling money out of your company. The IRS will let you do that without being taxed on those distributions up to the point that you get to that zero mark. Okay, gotcha. When you go below zero and you're now basically out of that equity, that's that stock basis. Now the IRS says, no, that's a taxable event now. Now you need to be taxed on those distributions. Now, the problem, and this is where this question comes into play, sometimes you can go negative on your stock basis without taking distributions. You can actually create a taxable event without having pulled any money out. And that was the situation that came up with this question. So the, this question that this one CPA proposed to, or uh, gave to the group, presented to the group, was a dental practice. It was one owner. He was an LLC, so and he was being taxed as a sole proprietor. He bought a bunch of equipment, 600 and something thousand dollars worth of equipment. He took accelerated depreciation on that equipment, which means, and the IRS will let you do this, whenever you first buy a big purchase, you can take a lot of the expense in the first year or two, which is what he did. So he got a lot of write-offs, right? His taxes mm-hmm. look great yeah. <laughs> because because he was able to take a lot of deductions on that equipment. Well, the following year, his accountant opted took took the S corp election, meaning that he now wanted to be taxed as an S corp instead of a sole proprietor, which you can do when you own an LLC. 
The problem is, is when you switch to an S-corp, now that tax basis comes into play. It doesn't come into play when you're a sole proprietor. It doesn't matter. But when you're an S-corp, it does. All of a sudden, you've got to be concerned with what your stock basis is. So he switches from sole proprietor to an S-corp, and all of a sudden, he's already at the very beginning at a negative stock basis because he has this huge liability that he took with the bank when he bought this equipment. So he's got 600 and something thousand dollars of liability, but because he accelerated his depreciation and took a bunch of that expense up front, his asset value was much lower, like 200 and something. So we're dealing with a $450,000 difference where he has now gone below zero on his stock basis. Does this make sense? Yes. Are you following? So let me see if I can, this is the way I'm kind of looking at it is once you get to that point where your your now your liabilities are exceeding the assets, that difference is where you're kind of below this zero line. Is that how to so think about think it? So think of like when this happens often when you buy a car, right? Oftentimes a house, it will appreciate in value. So you don't get this as often with the house purchase. But if you think about buying a car, as soon as you drive that car off the lot. Yes, price goes down. You've already, that it's a depreciating asset, yeah. right? It's immediately worth less than when you purchased it, right? So oftentimes with a car, your liabilities are more than the worth, the value of okay, that car, right? Yep. If yes. you think of it that way. And so this is all taxes, right? It's all done on paper. The depreciating aspect of this is all done because of taxes. It doesn't have anything to do with the fair market value of that equipment. Gotcha. Okay. That equipment might still be worth close to $600,000, but on the books for tax purposes, they have depreciated it down to 200 and something. So as a result, you have that situation like you have this car that mm. let's say you got in a car crash, right? Then it really depreciates, yeah. right? Yeah. Let's say someone bashed the side of your car in and you've got this huge dent now. This car is worth much less than the car note that you have on that, the yes. loan. So it's that kind of situation. And based because the the IRS gives you stock basis in some things like contributing assets, but it doesn't give you stock basis for that loan that you have. That loan is a company loan. So the shareholder is not getting any stock basis for that loan, even if they're personally guaranteeing the loan. So that's what creates this situation where now going into this S Corp, he's already $400,000 in the hole. Yeah. Yeah. So the question is, is what is the proper way to handle this? Because if nothing's done about it, the IRS would say that $400,000 is taxable. Wow. Now, can you imagine yeah. me as the client? And by the way, I had one CPA. That was his solution. He said, there's no way around it. You have to pay taxes oh on that 400000 So you can see now this is a huge material amount of money that we're dealing with here that if that's the solution, it causes a huge tax mm. liability. Depending on what tax bracket you're in, that's going to be a huge amount of money. So you can see this is what's at stake. Yeah, there's a lot riding on this question. Right. There's yes. a lot riding on this question. There's potential for this this business owner to have to pay thousands of dollars in taxes. Mm -hmm. So 
let's say you have this problem, right? And as a business owner, you know, that probably doesn't have any background in taxes, probably didn't even understand that when you switched over to an S Corp, all of a sudden you're creating this problem, right? His CPA probably never told him that. Maybe his CPA didn't even think about that issue, right? So whatever, whatever the circumstances were that led up to this moment, now he has brought the problem to this new CPA that was in the group. And maybe it was because of this problem. Who knows, right? <laughs> yeah. So it was very fascinating in this group. Like I said, when this question came up, everyone was like, hmm, because usually these circumstances happen because the owner's pulling distributions out. And that's kind of a no-brainer. Yeah, you pulled out the money, you owe the taxes on it, right? right. But in this circumstance, that that wasn't the case. This was just a purchase of equipment. They took depreciation on it. So the owner didn't get to pocket any cash. Every single CPA I've talked to has given me a different solution to this. So I actually wrote out, last night I wrote out all the ones I could remember. I think there's actually more than I can remember at this point. I should have been taking a list (laughs) as I did it. But here's, I already told you one of them, where the CPA said, there's no way around it. You have to pay the taxes on the 400,000. Another suggestion that I got from a different CPA, he said, well, just amend your prior year's tax return and change your accounting method so that you don't take the accelerated depreciation. Okay. So in other words, you're not going to depreciate as much, which means you're going to have to pay taxes from last year and penalties because now the IRS says, oh, wait, you owed more than what you said you did. So now we're going to charge you penalties. So there's also some tax ramifications to that solution. Another CPA said, well, just revoke your S-Corp election, go back to be go, being taxed as a sole proprietor, which there's a limitation, I think, on the time frame that you can do that. So they may already have actually have been passed it, and that may not be a solution they can do. But if they could, that CPA thought that would be the best solution. One of the problems that have been posed by other CPAs is, well, if they do that, they can't go back for another five years. Okay. So there could be tax ramifications for that because there are tax benefits to being an S-corp. Sure. So if you sure. have to stay a sole proprietor for five years, your tax liabilities may end up being more over the course of five years than if you just stomach it now. So that was another solution. Then... There was, well, why don't you refinance the equipment loan in the owner's personal name? So take the, the the liability out of the business and put it into a personal loan. And then essentially you're passing along that loan from the owner to the corporation. So he would get that that stock basis by essentially loaning to the company. Gotcha. Gotcha. So that was another solution. Then I had one CPA tell me, oh, just, just leave it negative. I do it all the time. No, no problem. <laughs> I, I do tax returns that have a negative basis all the time. No, no worries. And I'm like, that, that's interesting because from what I understand from everyone else, that the IRS kind of sees that as a problem. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Right. I've done it all the time. They've never said anything. <laughs> so I got that one. <laughs> Then I had one that argued me like, no, 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 there's no, there's no basis issue here. No, no, no. So they said there's not even a problem there's at all. There's not even a problem. There's no problem here. So I got that one. And then I had, I had a, a meeting with two CPAs at one time. They were both with the same firm and they met with me. And when I posed this scenario, they both sat there in silence for about a minute, just kind of, hmm. 
And then they finally said, you know, we'd have to research that. We're not yeah, sure. Right. So, I mean, in that case, at least they admitted they didn't really know. Yeah. And then the last one <clears throat> was just create a shareholder loan for the difference, which is another solution that actually I think probably is the most common solution to this is just create a loan for the to, for the variance for the amount that you're below zero and as you get stock basis built up, you pay that loan down until you're back to zero. And that, if there was any kind of consensus, that is probably the solution okay. I heard more. Now, this has been challenged by the IRS, and there's actually been case studies where they've challenged it. And in a couple of the circuit courts, they did the, the courts did side with the business owner that it was okay for them to do a shareholder loan to get their tax or their uh, stock basis to zero, but all circumstances are different in every case. So that's not to say that in you know one person's particular case that would stand in court, especially if you're in a different circuit than where that case came up. So you can't always rely on that because the sure. details of that case may have been very different, you know? So here's just some of my thoughts on this is, I think the one most prevailing thought is, this is why it's important to have a good CPA. But Think, question, yeah. what? which one is the good one? But no, what? what <laughs> but what, the reason I'm saying that is because, or, or maybe you can tell me if I'm wrong, would a good CPA have seen this problem arising when switching them from a sole proprietor to an S-corp? Yeah, yeah, I would say that would be true, that they so, would probably have seen this coming. Right. And so that's the aspect where I said it, 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 the reason to have a good CPA is they catch this on the front end before you've got the problem to deal with. I would say I would have liked to have had the professional that would have said, if you switch to an S-corp, yeah. here's the problem it creates. So, you know, maybe we don't take accelerated depreciation this year, or maybe we wait a couple years before we do it. You know, give the business owner some options and explain why there could be some complications. Yeah. So, yes, in that regard. And then I think what else is interesting is, like you said, you can see the, just by based on their answers, who are your more conservative CPAs yes. versus who are the more liberal. Yes. Like the guy who said, oh, just forget it. Like, just <laughs> let it go. It's not a big deal. Yes. I, I do think it's funny yes. that it sounds like every other CPA was like, oh, well, you got to do something. Yes. And so do this yes. or do this. And then yes. this guy just, yeah. nah, That's like, just leave it. <laughs> yes. That's fascinated me. Yeah. And I think it. this is where I say, I think a lot of the decision-making process has to do with the CPA's risk tolerance. But here's what's interesting is the CPA's risk tolerance may not be the business owner's risk tolerance. Right. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. I don't think, you know, the guy that just said, ah, just leave it on there. I do it all the time. The IRS has never said anything. Um, his clients may not have that high of a risk yes. tolerance. Yes. And then the CPA that said, no, you just need to pay the taxes on it. Obviously, that's the most conservative you can yes. be is right. just go ahead and pay the taxes on it. Well, his clients may have more risk tolerance yep. than that. Yep. They may say, you know what? I'd like to go ahead and try one of these other solutions so that I cannot pay those taxes. And if the IRS does come back and say, I owe it, that's fine. I'm willing to take that risk. Is there any, should this be a warning to um, just keep prevent yourself from the situation in the first place from making a big 
purchase like that and taking out a, a big loan. Should that scare anybody away? No, I don't think so. I think that people just need to understand when you're switching your your tax status, you know, when you're going from being taxed as a sole proprietor to now you're being taxed as an S-corp or a C-corp, just know there are differences and there's going to be ramifications to that, whether good or bad. Usually they're good. That's why people make that election oftentimes. But just know there could be some negative consequences to think about. And hopefully you'll have a CPA or a tax professional that will really help you understand what those are. Right. And this is one thing that I didn't get, which is interesting, and because it got me thinking. So, so far, I've done my own taxes every year. I've never given up control of that to someone else. And I'm probably starting to get to the point where I need to think about doing that because it's getting complex enough. But <clears throat> going through this experience, I think, has made me even more like, oh, no, mine. Yeah. <laughs> But I got to thinking, okay, what if I was to hire a CPA to do my taxes, what would it, you know, what solution would I be wanting right. them to yes. come up with? Yes. And I thought, you know what, what I really would like is for them to to tell me, you know what, there are eight ways that we could go about this. And they vary in the level of risk. And let me explain to you with the various ways that we can yeah. handle this and let me decide which option we take. Yeah. Just make me understand what the possible ramifications are, what the possible risks are, that if I was to get audited, the IRS could potentially find this to be taxable. I could potentially get penalties, right? Help me understand the risk. Yeah. But at the end of the day, let me decide whether to take the risk. And that's the CPA I think I want. Yes. The one that doesn't think there's only one way to skin the cat, but realizes right. that so much of this is up for interpretation. So much of this, even... You know, when you think about it, you've got an auditor oftentimes coming looking to look at the, these situations that may honestly not even know more than your CPA does, right? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. just because that auditor says, you know what, I find this to be a taxable event, it's not over. There is still a long, lengthy process you can go to to say, no, 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 I think we were right. This is not a taxable event. And here's sure, some case sure. studies to back this up. Here's some documentation to back this up. Here's some statues to back this up. Whatever it is, just because an auditor comes in and says, eh, I find this to be a taxable event, it's not over. And I think people don't understand that a lot of times. So, you know, in my case, I have very high very high risk tolerance. <laughs> like, bring the auditor to me. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> like, I will do research until I'm blue yes. in the face yeah. to prove my point, right? So it doesn't scare me if an auditor were to come in and we're having to defend our, our point of view. So my risk tolerance is very high. So I probably need a CPA that's willing sure. to go there with me to say, all right, well, if we get into an audit situation, Let's go hand in hand and let's let's take this on. You yeah. know, I actually yeah. probably would relish the opportunity. So, you know, to me, it'd be a learning experience, but I'm up for the fight. But there's other business owners that are like, oh, no. Yeah. I yeah. want to I will pay more tax if I have overpay tax if I have to to keep them away from me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, see, I'm I'm I don't know if I'd go as far as saying okay yeah i'm just gonna pay the taxes on the four hundred thousand, right <laughs> but i am the guy who when you get done with turbo tax and you know and your your audit level's just barely in the yellow i'm the one who starts sweating a little bit and i'm like do, do i need to buy the audit insurance so that's the kind of person i am here's what me coming from a 
just learning everything about this situation as the podcast has gone on. Uh-huh. This is what seemed to me like what I would do. And obviously, someone smarter could talk me into something different. I think I might lean with, let's just switch back to being a sole proprietor. We get this taken care of. And then if it's five years, we can we can make the switch then. So why what would be the the reason I wouldn't want to make that decision? Well, oftentimes the reason people make the election from a sole proprietor to being taxed as a sole proprietor to it's being taxed as an S Corp is because there are tax advantages to doing that. One of the biggest ones is when you're a sole proprietor, whatever your profit in the company is you're paying payroll tax on all of it. It's called self-employment tax. So, you know, the things that you see, most people see it coming out of their paycheck, right? Medicare and yeah, yeah. Um, social security, all that stuff that comes out of your paycheck. If you're a sole proprietor, you're paying that tax on all your profit. If you switch over to be an S corp, now you pay yourself a salary instead, and you're only having to pay the payroll tax on your salary, and the IRS says you have to do a reasonable salary. Sure, you sure, can't pay sure. yourself $12 a week, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, and people have gotten in trouble for that, right? Because yeah. they just pay themselves a minuscule amount and then yeah. they take huge distributions because you can take distributions, as we talked about, and not be taxed on those distributions. But if you're not paying yourself a decent salary and you're taking huge distributions that are non-taxable, the IRS may come knocking, you know, and in fact, we have a podcast episode talking about that where I give some case studies where people had gotten in trouble because they took a small salary, took huge distributions, and the IRS came back and said, no, those distributions are taxable. Those are the Lindsay Kleins who have a much bigger risk tolerance (laughs) than than I do. So that's why most people make that switch is because they can lower their tax liability in the long run. And, and, and that's why you have to take that into consideration. If you can't switch back to being an S corp for five years, yeah, yeah. over five years, are you going to end up paying more in taxes than you would just paying it on the 400,000? Yep. I mean, yep. there's a lot of variables that go into that situation to making that decision. So what have you learned from this situation? And maybe, maybe it, it think, takes more looking into this, but what, what's your, what's your big takeaway? I think I always knew that there was a lot up for interpretation, but this really hit that home. Yeah. Like how much is up for interpretation and how for one problem, there can be so many different ways to solve that. And that different tax professionals, like I said, it kind of depends on their risk tolerance. It depends on their background, right? What experiences they've had. Um, you know, maybe there's been a, a tax professional that's gone through an audit with this very specific issue and, you know, maybe they got burned by it. And so that's kind of altered the way that they handled the situation. You don't know where they're coming from or how they got to that place, but almost every single one thought their way was the way. Yeah. And so, like I said, I'm still waiting for the CPA. I'm going to keep asking, right? I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep this experiment and maybe I'll switch questions eventually, but I'm looking for that CPA that says, you know what? There are 12 ways to skin this cat. Yeah. You decide. Here's yep. the risk. Yep. Here's the risk level to each one. Here are the possible ramifications. Which direction do you want to go? That's the, that's the one I want to find. Yeah. So I can. I think I will close my big thoughts with this. And tell me if I'm wrong. It, it seems like when if you face an audit situation 
an auditor comes, it's not like he comes and he tells you, okay, well, what's been presented to you is two plus two, and your answer has to be four. And if your answer is anything other than four, you're in trouble. It seems like it's much more of, hey, this is why I think you're wrong, but if you can provide reasonable explanation, hey, look, this is the reason why I did it. I, I found this case here. Uh, I found my research here. Hey, maybe I called, you know, the IRS. I talked to so and so on this day, yeah. and they said I could do this. It seems like it's much more of if you can reasonably defend yes. your position. Yes. Then it doesn't. There's not necessarily one right yes, way to do everything. That's absolutely right, and I don't think people realize yeah. that by and large. Because think about it, if it's up for interpretation with a group of 100 CPAs, is it not also up for interpretation for that auditor? Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. And think about it. If you have a spectrum of conservative to to mm. risk, tax professionals do not have the same when it comes to auditors. So you have the ones that probably are sticklers that take the most conservative viewpoint all the way to the ones that are, you know, like the guy who's like, oh, just leave it. <laughs> the IRS doesn't care. And maybe he had an auditor where the yeah. auditor didn't care. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Know? So not only that, but you got a variance in knowledge. How much knowledge does that auditor have about right. that specific issue? A lot of times the ones, the, the the auditors that come, the field auditors that come to your office and spend weeks in your office, they're not, They sometimes they are CPAs, but not always. Right. My grandmother was an auditor. She was not a CPA. And it was very interesting because as my knowledge of tax grew and bookkeeping and all of that, as I was a teenager and young adult, I, I started thinking, oh, she'd be a great resource to kind of pick yeah. her brain. Yeah. But oftentimes I would, you know, present something like this, right? Cause I'm, I'm curious cat. If I latch onto something like this or I'm like, Oh, this is very interesting. I'll start asking everyone about it. So she'd be one person I'd talk to and she just kind of look at me and go, Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> but, and you're going and auditing people and telling them how they're yeah. <laughs> like, it, it was very eye opening for me having right. someone I personally knew and yeah. realizing, wait, my knowledge level seems to have exceeded yours. <laughs> and yet you're the one going in and telling people what they owe. Yeah. It's very interesting. So yeah, that's one thing that, you know, especially since my risk tolerance is high, I don't fear those audits because I know yeah. this person coming in, you know, and actually one of the CPAs I talked to, they were talking about going through audits. They said, we just dump as much documentation at that per- case studies, yeah. documents, yeah. statements. We just flood that auditor right. with all kinds of paperwork. Right. <laughs> if you're going to bug me, I'm going to make you read everything to know why. Yeah. I did the thing I did. Yeah. So that's the strategy they take is just to overwhelm them with, you know, just anything, any fact they can throw at them, any case study they can throw at them. And they have found it to be a very effective strategy. (laughs) So anyway, I thought this was interesting enough to make an episode out of. What do you think? I I think it's I I think it's fascinating because Mm. I had never and, and this is me maybe just being more on the outside looking in. I had not considered that you could go to five different CPAs in a row and they could all give you a different answer on mm-hmm. something because their 
as you have brought up, their risk tolerance is all different. You know, the first guy you may go to may be the most conservative. And his thing is, hey, we are going to do everything. I don't want to see an auditor ever. Yeah. And then you the next guy you may go to says, oh, I want the auditor to come here. (laughs) And I am so excited to show him why he's wrong. And I had just, you know, I had never considered that. I I just kind of considered, you know, here's your group of tax professionals. They'll all agree on the same thing. They all think on the same thing. Nope. So it's opened my mind to, in the world of taxes, there is so much to be open for interpretation. Yes. And it's basically, you know, if you've got a good argument for it, Mm -hmm. then maybe there are eight different ways to do this. Yes. And the the auditor leaves every time saying nope you're good and you could do it eight different ways yeah you're exactly right so that was something i had never thought of honestly well honestly. and i i think i knew this in theory but this has really brought it home for me yeah like in a tangible way so mm-hmm. that's why it's fascinated me so it's been a great experiment that i will continue who knows yes. i might have 20 or 30 of these <laughs> But I, I think I need to switch up the question, right? And then we can do another one of these. Okay, yes. okay Chris, I have a new question. Yeah. And here's all the possible solutions I've gotten. I think that's your. <laughs> this is your new homework every month, every couple months. Find that question yes. that is going to confuse the CPAs. Yes, exactly. Go I to the it. meetings and yes. just kind of drop it in there and watch the chaos. <laughs> watch the chaos ensue. Exactly. And what's interesting is I, have, I started a networking group just for bookkeepers and so I brought this question in. Um, I, I brought a list of questions and I didn't put it on the list. I kind of threw it in as a bonus question at the end. And so it was really interesting, even amongst the bookkeepers, none of us are CPAs, um, but it was really interesting even amongst that group that we had some good discussion and debate about it. Yeah. So I, I have found it to be very fascinating to see all the different points of view that you could have on one question. Well, I do want to say, the reason that we're even bringing up this topic goes to show the kind of intentionality and effort that Lindsay puts into these kind of things. Thank you. And that is something I can tell you from what I've seen with Lindsay. And if you've been listening to this podcast, you know that this is not a one-off thing. This is something that you get. She puts this kind of work in to your books if you come to come to Secline. And so that's one yes. thing I love about you, Lindsay, is it's not a you know, this is interesting, but it sounds like too much work, so I'll leave it. It's like, man, I have got to know more about this, and I am going to get to the bottom of this if it's going to take me all week, but I'm going to do it. So that's one Thank thing you. that I love about you, Lindsay. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yes, I've always been very curious. I'm like the equivalent of the toddler that's always asking, why, why, why? That's me, right? I, I got to dig in on something like this. It's like, oh, this is too good. I've got to yeah. figure this out, right? So. So thank you. I appreciate that. That's very kind. I actually wrote a blog on this too. So if you go to our website, secline.com, I have a blog written about my experience asking different CPAs this question. So this is this is how much it's fascinated me. Check it out. And that's not the only blog there. You've got plenty of other blog yes. articles to, to yes. read through. You can also find more podcast episodes on the website as well. So we know about secline.com. How else can people reach you, Lindsay? So I am at info at secline.com if you want to email me or phone number 
in Dallas is 214-396-5020. We also have a San Antonio number that I have not memorized yet. I'll have to pull that up. <laughs> but if you go on our website, we have our San Antonio office information on there too now. So. Yeah, and we're going to put all that information in the show notes as well. And I, I wanted to mention this earlier. Congratulations on the San Antonio oh, office. thank that you. Is, I know. I'm excited. Awesome. Yes, I have a new staff accountant down there. She is amazing. Love her. Gotten her set up and she's starting to network down there. So I'm looking forward to having some San Antonio yeah. clientele. You know, I think the next client office is probably going to be in Las Vegas. If I had to yeah. guess, that's probably where the next <laughs> one's going to be just so she can make the business trips. Well, okay. So I actually am going there in two weeks <laughs> and guess what it is that I'm going for. Is it a business trip? It's a CPA conference. Oh, <laughs> all right. So think how many other more solutions I can get to this problem asking around <laughs> i am just we talked about this on a podcast two three weeks ago and you asked me what do you think a room full of 400 cpas is like well no bookkeepers or bo- that sorry was a, that yes, was a book bookkeeper keeper, convention yes and i am just fascinated by all of these business professionals <laughs> getting getting into a room and discussing stuff like this. Yes. So, so it should be interesting. So yes. I had the bookkeepers gone wild. Now it'll be the CPAs gone wild. <laughs> You've got to just plant this and watch the wildfire yes. spread. I think so too. Yeah. Like this is this is great leading yes. up to this conference. I don't know how many people are going to be there, but it's a big one. So this this will be good. <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> so the other producer gave me the phone number for the San Antonio office. 210-510-4129. If you'd like to call our San Antonio office. So, and then how can people find you? Yes, we are online, freedonation.live, or you can reach me, Chris, at freedonation.live. It's K R I S at freedonation.live. Awesome. Thank you for joining us, everyone. Hopefully, you found this to be as interesting as I did. And until next time, we'll see you again. Have a great day, everyone. By the Books is presented by Secline, honest, accurate bookkeeping performed on time. For more information on Secline services, or to get a hold of Lindsay, visit secline.com or email info at secline.com. The information provided on this website and podcast does not and is not intended to constitute legal advice. Instead, all information, content, and materials available are for general information purposes only. Information provided by Secline may not constitute the most up-to-date legal or other information. Listeners should contact their attorney to obtain advice with respect to any particular legal matter and should refrain from acting on the basis of this information without first seeking legal advice from counsel in the relevant jurisdiction. Only your individual attorney can provide assurances that the information contained herein and your interpretation of it is applicable or appropriate to your particular situation.